right, so if you take a look at your baptism sheet or your catechism sheet here, you'll see the first the question is, the catechism for today is, what is baptism? And I think it's appropriate to do this one since we're going to have a baptism this coming Sunday. Um, just a reminder. <laughs> um, and it's, it is something that's simple. It's something that we've grown up knowing about. Even if we haven't grown up in the church, we've heard of baptism and we know that people, there are some people who sprinkle, there are some people who dunk, there are some people who uh, baptize their babies, and you know, there's, you know, most inst- religious institutions have some form of baptism or another, um, especially within Christendom. Um, so we can grow comfortable thinking, we know everything there is about baptism, it's dunked, it's representation of your death to sin and new life in Christ. Uh, well, today we're going to do a little crash course. Uh, we could talk about these passages for a very long time. Um, we're going to do a little crash course here on baptism through the Bible. Um, and we're not even going to get into the Old Testament. There is actually a couple types of baptism that occurred in the Old Testament before John the Baptist came around. Uh, we're not going to even get into that stuff, um, dealing with priesthood and the like. And you have the symbol of Moses bringing the people through the Red Sea. And you have all these symbolic baptisms um, that we could apply today, but we're not going to even look at those today. Um, but let's read the answer here together to what is baptism. Baptism is that outward washing of water which gives form to the cleansing of the pollution of my soul by the blood of Jesus Christ, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the sanctification of my person to God and the body of Christ, my clinging to the death, burial, and resurrection of my Savior and my submission to his service. Now that's a mouthful. And all of this is wrapped up in um, baptism. And this, uh, you know, it does mention resurrection in that that spot. We're not even really going to talk much about that today. That's another subject. Tucker. Sit over here. And, uh, but there's a lot there already. Perhaps there's a couple things pointed out here that you never thought about before. Wait, the receiving of the Holy Spirit is pointed out in baptism? The cleansing of my sin is pointed out in baptism? Sanctification is pointed out in baptism? The setting apart of a person to God and into the body of Christ? Very often we'll talk about baptism in terms of this, this next one, my clinging to the death, burial, and resurrection of my Savior. That's the one I always grew up. That's what the pastor would always say, you know, buried in death and risen in like, likeness of Christ. Uh, but none of this was ever really part of my upbringing except for that one, particularly my submission to his service or the cleansing of sin. I never heard of those ones until I did my own little study on it some time ago. Um, So, I think it's good for us to do a crash course in case there are any gaps in our theology about baptism. So, let's start looking at some of these passages. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 38. We could look at it more extended, too, in in this passage, but for the sake of time, we won't. Acts 2, 37 to 38. If somebody would like to read that for us. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
So, in this, we see a couple things that happen at the point of baptism, according to Peter. Peter just got done preaching a very powerful sermon to the Jews. And there were some Gentiles in the area. He just rebuked them for crucifying the Messiah. And then it says that they were pricked to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And what were they? They were crumbled. And what did they say? What, What are we supposed to do? And we were convinced. And what does Peter say to them? Does Peter say, pray this prayer with me? What does he say? Let you be, let every one of you be baptized. Back in this day, baptism was the experience of salvation. That's what it was. It wasn't, there was no prayer prayer theology per se, like there is today. It's, if you want to follow Christ, if you want to be saved, let's get baptized. Not that baptism saves you. That was not the point either. Baptism was an old way of saying, I am following the thing that I am representing, that I am being baptized into. I am part of that. I am part of this Jesus Christ. I am following him. I'm immersing myself in Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk more about that throughout the course of this, uh, this lesson. But you see here, okay, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for what? The remission of sins. The washing away of sins. And that's where you see in this catechism that a baptism represents the, it is the, the outward cleansing, the outward washing of water that gives form to the cleansing of the soul from sin that God, Christ did through his blood. So that's the number one. And if we go through all, we could, if we go through all the different passages on baptism and see what the most common theme is around baptism, the most common theme in the New Testament around baptism is the cleansing of sin. Because water, throughout all the Old Testament, water was always associated, almost always associated with some type of cleansing. Um, just like Noah and the flood cleansed the earth. Um, and so on and so forth. Um, but here we see here that be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, the taking away of sins, the forgiveness of sins, wiping you clean, washing you in the name of Jesus. And then it says, at the ba- what else happens at baptism? In that same verse. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. At baptism, you receive the Holy Spirit, according to this passage. And that's something that I, that's another thing that I never really was ever taught. And we see that this is another theme that is in a number of different passages. That we see the Holy Spirit being given to the people when they're baptized. For instance, I don't even think we're going to look at this passage today. Um, but Paul was in Ephesus and... There was a small church in Ephesus, and the people, Paul went to the people, recognized that they knew the gospel, they had received the gospel, but had realized they were taught the gospel by Apollos. Apollos didn't know about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. He was a very smart man, very good evangelist, but he wasn't teaching proper baptism. He was teaching uh, the baptism of John the Baptist, which you know we're not going to get into, but not the baptism of Jesus Christ. So Paul says... I'm going to rebaptize you. And when he rebaptizes the people, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they started performing wonders and miracles and things like that. But it was at baptism that this happened. 
You can read about that. I'm trying to think here. I think that's in Acts, somewhere in Acts. I can't remember the chapter, but it should be easy enough to look up if you would like to find that. Um, but we see here that you receive the remission of sins and the Holy Spirit at the point of baptism. But you're saying this baptism is at the point of salvation. Yeah. Well, the baptism was always done as the point of salvation back in scriptural days. That's what I'm, that's, and we get things jumbled up today and it's harder to distinguish in scripture because it's, it doesn't happen in our culture the way it happened in the New Testament early church. In the New Testament early church, baptism was immediate. You want to follow Christ, let's go get baptized. Now we wait, we wait for months, we, you know, it's too cold out or whatever, we have, I got to get family in or whatever. It's, and, I, and the thing that gets hard when we're talking about this subject is, well, when does salvation actually happen then? Is it when you put your faith in Christ or is it when you're baptized? Well, my, I would pose to you that it is when you put your faith in Christ because it's by Christ's blood that we are cleansed. It's not the washing of water. It's like we're talking about. It's the outward washing of water that gives, it's an image of the cleansing that we receive in Jesus Christ through the shedding of his blood. So I will always hold that salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ, not by baptism. Um, and the way it's taught here, the way baptism is taught, is baptism is always done at the point that somebody decides, I'm going to follow Jesus. And at the point of baptism, it wasn't even the point of faith. It was, okay, there's the faith that leads someone to the baptism, okay? So the, like the people in Ephesus, they had faith in Jesus Christ, but they weren't baptized properly. And it wasn't until they were baptized properly that they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I remember years ago, I took my sister to, uh, uh, my family is from Chicago. I took my sister to Jack Kyle's church mm -hmm. uh, in Hammond, Indiana. Yeah. And she was saved there. And they baptized immediately after mm -hmm. Uh, person yeah. makes a profession on the faith. Mm -hmm. They ensure that that happens right away. Not yeah. that baptism saves, but right. they, they make that next step. Mm -hmm. you know, that next biblical step. Right, right. Which I think is a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times people, they, they never get baptized. Right. They're not really following uh, the Word of God, but right. they don't. And you don't do that. They end up, like you say, uh, things overtake the moment, you know. Mm -hmm. Like in South Carolina, we baptize in the ocean in our church. Yeah. Take people out. Yeah, okay. So we get enough people lined up. Mm -hmm. Before we know it, we can't find a couple of people that yeah. don't come anymore. Well, yeah. so maybe they really didn't make a mm -hmm. uh, faithful decision for right. Christ. Right. It's possible. Yeah. Right. You know, but I just, in, I think that part of the problem is as Reformed people, we. We don't. We get a bad taste in our mouth for traditional things, for actions being tied to God's power. If you like, we talked about this a little bit when we when I preached about fasting. We have a bad taste in our mouth when we associate actions with God's moving. We would prefer to just say, "No, it's just by faith." Once you believe, then all of this stuff happens. But the Bible does tell us to be baptized for a reason. The Bible talks about fasting in a way that we preached. I don't have to get into that too much, but fasting produced stuff in Scripture. Always did for thousands of years. You know, we're supposed to partake in Holy Communion for a reason. 
Not because, we're, not because we believe that if we do this, we are saved, but we do it in obedience and God blesses it. And here we see that there is the remission of sins tied to baptism, the receiving of the Holy Spirit tied to baptism. And we could talk all day about salvation by grace through faith, and I believe that. But we also have to open ourselves up to the fact that maybe we have some things wrong. Maybe we need to sharpen our understanding of obedience to God in a way that perhaps is uncomfortable. And until we embark in this uncomfortable journey to find the truth, baptism will always just be this kind of side thing. Like, okay, we'll get to it when we get to it, whatever. It's a, it's a thing we do at church. I'm not really sure why we do it. It's a symbolic thing that the church has always done. You know, and I want to do it in obedience because the Bible tells me to do it, but it's really not that big of a deal because I'm saved by grace through faith. You know, this is just kind of the bylaws. <laughs> well, I'm thinking as you're explaining it back then, I think of the Jews and all of the symbolism that they used, uh, cleansing themselves, mm-hmm. and still do in their religion, mm-hmm. that that passed over to what Paul was thinking about being a Jew, and uh, mm-hmm. of course the Lord's command on it and everything. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like it came out of that Jewish culture a lot, as you're explaining mm-hmm. it now, that I never really thought about it, but yeah. Yeah, and it's a good point to bring up because there aren't really a whole lot of ceremonial things that the New Testament really holds to. The Old Testament had tons of ceremonial things. Yeah. And I don't know if you necessarily call baptism and the Lord's Supper ceremonial, but out of everything that, from the Old Testament that was dropped ceremonially, we're, we still have baptism in the Lord's Supper that we're supposed to hold to according to Scripture. You know, there has to be some purpose to that. There has to be some reason beyond just God just wants us to have these traditions. You have to ask these questions when we're studying Scripture. Why? Why are these left to us? Why are there residual things that we must do? And that's why that's, if, everything, if the New Testament form is just grace and faith and mercy and compassion of God and love, why do we have these traditions that we're supposed to hold to? Why did God leave these things? We have to ask those questions and open ourselves up to the fact that maybe things aren't always as we find, things aren't always as what, we, what is comfortable to process, easy to process, because it's hard to join the idea of grace and faith with, well, then I also am baptized, and that's supposed to be the remissions of sins, and it's hard to distinguish these things in our brains. But until we start trying and start start asking the questions in our studies, why? Why does God give us this? Why does He say be baptized for the remission of sins? Why does He say when you're baptized, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Why? Why does he say these things if it's all just about grace and faith? Which I'm not going to argue anybody about grace and faith because I believe it just as much as any of you do. But we have to ask the questions and embark into uncomfortable territory in our studies. Otherwise, we never grow. Otherwise, we never get sharp. And I'm not trying to lead you into some sort of religion that says, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. That's not where I'm trying to take you because I don't believe that. I believe that you can be saved and being and still be unbaptized or improperly baptized. But 
we still have to understand in Scripture what are God's intentions for baptism and what does he say about it. And what he says about baptism, we have to believe it. Look at Acts 22.16. I need to bring up the Great Commission said, mm-hmm. make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Lord. And when he says make disciples, he said make disciples baptizing. This is how you make disciples. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's the language there. It's you make disciples by baptizing. That's how Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples, by giving us baptism as the method by which we make disciples. I think that that should mean something to us. Any, so who wants to read Acts 22.16? And now what are you waiting for? Get up and baptize and wash your sins away. Same concept. This is, this is uh, Paul. And... Uh, when he was confronted by Ananias, the uh, prophet, a devout, in verse 12, a devout man according to the law, follower of God. Paul was just smitten with Saul, I guess. His name was Saul at this point. Smitten by Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? Blinded him. Commissioned him for service. What is it, how does Ananias approach him? <laughs> what are you waiting for? Get up. Go be baptized and wash away your sins. We are inclined to think, and it's and rightly so, Jesus washes away our sins. And that's right for us to think, Jesus washes away our sins. But what does Ananias say? Go be baptized and wash away your sins through baptism. Calling on the name of the Lord. See, it's all working together. It's not that baptism saves and that Jesus doesn't save. It's that it all works together. This is God's mode, method. It's also, it was all supposed to work as one. One swift swoop. Faith baptism. That's how it was taught in Scripture. That's how we see it everywhere in Scripture. The only time you see somebody getting saved in Scripture and they being baptized sometime later is that time I told you about where, yeah, they believed the gospel, but they had never received the Holy Spirit until they were baptized. That's the only time in the scriptures you see an example of somebody being saved and baptized later. And you see, we saw in scripture, that there were repercussions for not being baptized at the point of salvation. The Holy Spirit did not descend upon them. I mean, this is scripture, people. This is not me. I'm just telling you what this Bible says. We just read this. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible says. Right. There's no waiting period for there either. Philip. What what's keeping me now to be baptized? <laughs> Nothing. If you believe, we can be baptized right now. And that's something that I should t- say too. Believing, then being baptized. It's not that you're baptized and then you believe. <laughs> that's not how election works. Well, let's just go baptize all the people so everybody's elect. <laughs> No, baptism doesn't bring the, the belief. The belief initiates the baptism. That comes first. That's why we call it a believer's baptism, because it's the person who believes and they want to follow the way of Christ. So we baptize them. 
Ephesians chapter 5, 26 and 27. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So we see here, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. She should be holy and without blemish. Okay. So in verse 26, we see this image of baptism, whereby Christ sanctifies his church. He gives this cleansing of the water, the washing of the water, to the church to sanctify the people. Those who believe are set apart by baptism to Jesus Christ. They're no longer in the world. They're no longer the world's. They're no longer part of the system of the world because they're being sanctified through this baptism, being set apart for service to Jesus Christ, being set apart to... The, to be worked on by Jesus Christ. What do you say? So that he might present to her, present her, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We are made holy and without blemish through, this, through, <clears throat> through the blood of Jesus Christ, symbolically being represented at the point of baptism. The cleansing of sins being represented at baptism. The washing of the water by the word, okay? So it's by the word. It's according to truth. According to, the, to a person's devotion to the truth. A person's recognition and acceptance of what is true about salvation. See, it's the truth working unto baptism. These two working together. The washing of the word. We're not going to be able to get to all these passages. Let's see here. Let's read. Someone read Romans six three to eleven. Romans six three to eleven. Who'd like to read that? No, no, be not that so many of us. And were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that a old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death had no more domination over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so in this passage we see a lot of teaching here. Uh, but the main point that we're pointing out, that is being pointed out here, is that in baptism, <clears throat> he starts in verse 3, Do you not know? Do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus? Okay, so Jesus Christ is 
being the water is being associated with Jesus Christ himself. When you're baptized, immersed in, in this baptismal, into that water, that water is there, but really it's just showing that Jesus, you're being baptized into the cleansing flood of Jesus Christ. You're baptized into Christ Jesus, you're baptized into his death. And, hey, Jalen Tucker, do you remember that story about Noah and the ark? Yeah. And what... What happened to the world in that situation? Destroyed. It was destroyed. And Tucker, do you know how, exactly how many people died? Like all the people in the earth except Noah and his family yeah. and all the animals. So that could have been like a bazillion, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot and a lot, a lot. But, but fish were just swimming in the sea. Yeah, the fish yeah. were just, yeah. <laughs> Some of them probably died, but... You know, maybe a lot of them just kept swimming, swimming, like it's just another day, <laughs> right? But the whole, what are the, how much of the earth was covered? Do you remember? The whole earth. The whole earth. All the earth, right? And there was, there was nothing poking up out of the water, was it? No. 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 Right, not even this church. No, this church wasn't, wasn't even built then. But if it was built, it would certainly not be poking up out of the water, right? I know, I wouldn't not, be either. Not even how I was standing on top of the church. Yeah, not even like when you're on top of a water, um, a water tower. Right, I know. I, wouldn't, I still wouldn't be, right? Because not, not to mention the water tower probably got knocked over. Right? Yeah. Everybody, everything knocked over. Mm-hmm. So here we see in, in Romans chapter 6 that baptism, the water is associated with death. In this case, it's the death of Jesus Christ. But even in the Old Testament, we see the Bible does talk about Noah being a, being a type of baptism where the earth was cleansed. It was associated, the water was associated with death of the world back in that day. And here in being baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, we are dying to the world. Daddy? Yeah. Like the whole world just looked like a like if you were in outer space, it just looked like a big round bubble of water. Yeah. Probably. That would be kind of crazy, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a huge raindrop. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good imagination. Yep. Um, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe there were a couple of frozen patches at the poles. Maybe I don't know. Like Antarctica. Never mind. Okay. So we see here we're baptized into death. We're, the old man is dead. Just like after the flood, that old way of life was dead. That old uh, lineage was dead. Noah was a new Adam in a sense. And Jesus is a new Adam in a sense. In a sense, Jesus is a new Noah. We're giving us a new lineage, having cleansed away the old dead filth of sin. So when we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death, this says. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Um, Even so, we should walk in newness of life. So in baptism, we are brought out of that water a new person. 
We're not like the old person we used to be. Behold, all things are become new. And this happens according to this work of baptism. When you're standing there pre-baptism, you're representing the old man that hasn't quite passed away yet. You're plunged into death and brought into newness of life in baptism. And it says in verse 5, we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also must be in the likeness of his resurrection. If we're going to die, he's not just going to leave us in the grave. He's going to raise us into newness of life. And then this is also a passage that talks to us about how baptism launches us into service for Jesus Christ. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. We don't have, we don't have to serve the old flesh. Um, but <clears throat> for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. For, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, remember this is still the context of baptism. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, because of this, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. So we see here that it, the, this baptism shows us that we're a new person. You can't be the same. You can't be the way you used to be. If you're going to be baptized, part of the baptism decision is, I'm not just wanting the cleansing of sin, but I'm also pursuing Jesus Christ in my life. That's what I want. I'm not just trying to get my ticket to heaven. I am pursuing Jesus Christ. And my baptism is, is representing this decision in my life. Not just trying to be... I'm not, I was not baptized so that I could just sit and enjoy the benefits. Even though we can sit and enjoy the benefits as children of God. Just like Jayla and Tucker. You enjoy some benefits of being part of our household. May not be as beneficial as you might like. <laughs> But there are still benefits of being with me and mommy. Because we're pretty awesome, right? <laughs> no, no. Tucker? Um, so, like, when you're buried, um, Jesus, like, um, like, Jesus, like, get, when you're buried, like, Jesus gives you the ticket to go to heaven and hell? Well, in a way... Uh, when you die, and if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He will receive you into heaven. I don't know if He gives you a ticket. That would be kind of cool, right? Here's a ticket. Get on the get on the bus and get off on the third stop to heaven. No, not like that kind of ticket. Oh, what kind of ticket? Like a ticket, like uh, <coughs> believing in Jesus. Yeah. And it's believing in Jesus and having Him forgive us and cleanse us from our sins that gives us the opportunity to go and be with God in heaven, right? Yeah, please don't do that. Well, so here's this other point. We could, uh, Hebrews 9.14, we can read that really briefly, um, but I think that this is about as as far as we can go for tonight. But Hebrews 9.14, I'll just read it real quick. Um, 
I'll just start in verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So here you see the concepts of cleansing and renewal, regeneration, service to God, all working together in the same body. They're not separated. You can't pick, well, I'm going to be cleansed from my sin, but I'm not going to choose the option of serving Christ. That's not how it works. You can't pick one or both. You have to have both working at the same time in you. And that's what, it, let me just read that again. How much more then shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot or to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You're cleansed into service. <laughs> this is what it's saying. And this is all represented in baptism. We're being cleansed in, you know, dash into service. So um, there's much more that we could have talked about, but please look at some of the, I would suggest you in your studies, uh, please wrestle with some of these things. Um, knowing that it's by grace through faith we are saved because of the mercy and compassion of God, not because you're choosing to be baptized. But baptism represents all of this. It's part of the same, biblically speaking, it's supposed to be part of the same swift motion of salvation because it does represent everything that happens to you when you are saved. Uh, so please read through these passages in your own time. Study them. They, doubtless, some of these passages will bring up questions in your mind. And I hope they do. Because if we don't have questions, then perhaps we're not opening up to what Scripture is saying. Um, because sometimes it can be confusing because... It's just that way. <laughs> so uh, let's pray. Well, let's, let's go to some prayer requests.